Love's a blessing, one. Amen. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 as we go on with our series, the beginnings, beginnings, uh, uh, beginning with the Beatitudes. I knew I'd get it out sooner or later. I need you to find Matthew chapter 5, and then I need you to find Numbers chapter 12 and mark it. We'll go there later in the service. But if you'll go to Matthew 5, that's where we're going to read initially. And then if you'll find Numbers chapter 12 and uh, mark that with your bulletin or your ribbon in your Bible or however you might want to do that. And we can all go over there together here in just a little bit and uh, save us a little time. Matthew chapter number 5 initially where we'll read. Matthew 5, verse number 1. And seeing the multitude, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, his disciples, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We're going to focus on verse number 5 this morning, where Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, I, I titled the message, Meekness may not be what you think it is. <clears throat> not the way that Jesus is talking about it. So we're going to look at that for a little while. Let's pray. We'll get right on into it. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, what a, great, what a great God you are. And I want to thank you, uh, Lord, for the opportunity to be here in this place this morning. I've, I've, missed, I've missed my church family. I've, I've missed being here in your pulpit. And Lord, m- my prayer now is that you would just guide and direct and everything that is said and done. I, I can do nothing without you. I, I openly admit that before you and before this congregation. But I know that with your help that we can get this message across just the way you'd have it done. And so we pray for that, Lord, this morning. Pray, pray for your power and your guidance and everything that's, uh, everything again, everything that's said and done. And then, Lord, we pray that you open the hearts of the hearers, the listeners, um, I, that you would speak very clearly. Uh, to each individual, right where they are, concerning what they need uh, from this portion of Scripture. Help us now, Lord, please. We pray and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. Please be seated. Let me ask you a question. Kind of get us all in a groove here together. From a human standpoint, from a human standpoint, does it look to you like the meek will inherit the earth? And let me just, let let, let me answer that. I would have to say, nay, nay. (laughs) I don't see it that way. I mean, it doesn't seem that way at all. I mean, when we take a good look at it, the the godless and the wicked seem to be the ones prospering. No, not the godly, not the ones that are really truly seeking after the Lord and seeking to live for Him. But for the most part, the wicked seem to be prospering and the godless seem to be prospering. And sometimes, really, it just looks like we're on the losing end of the deal. We that are trying to do what is right. We that are trying to follow God. But it's looked that way for a long, long time. I mean, this isn't anything new. The prophet Jeremiah could not understand it either. Not at all. 
Over in Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 1, he said this, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. He goes on, Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? So even in Jeremiah's day, he looked at the world and he said, I don't get it. Here I am, Lord, out trying to declare your word day after day. I'm telling people what you want me to tell them. I'm trying to get people to live for you. And yet I'm persecuted at every turn. And then I look at the rest of the world, these people that deal very treacherously, the wicked out there seem to be prospering. And here's what, no, no, here's what Jeremiah said in a nutshell. I don't get it. This don't make no sense. Okay, he probably used better English than that. But anyway, you get the point here. Looking at the world today, we see drug dealers and pornography dealers and crime families or mafia, however you might want to say that, thieves, crooks, crooked politicians, and and such the like that are living high on the hog while decent, honest, humble, godly people seem to be working their fingers to the bone just to get by, just to make ends meet. It, It doesn't seem... Right. However, we know the things that Jesus teaches us are much different from this world's philosophies. I mean, this book is so against the way the world and the way the world is going. And what he teaches us and and is trying hard to teach us here in Matthew 5 through the Beatitudes and, of course, the Sermon on the Mount following, what he's teaching us is so different from the way this world thinks. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 18, my kingdom is not of this world. So we're looking for another kingdom, aren't we? Even while we're here, we're looking. Our decision to live life the way that he teaches to live will bring us to a point of living completely different from this world. Completely different. Now, now that does not mean that we won't go on with our responsibilities. That does not mean that we won't continue to work our jobs and take care of our homes and and, and such. It doesn't mean that. We're not going to run off to some high mountain and be a monk or be a hermit. and, and No, 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 no. It's not. We, we continue on. God knows exactly where we are, doesn't He? He knows the jobs we have, the, the responsibilities we have. He knows all of that. He already He knows all of that. He does. But the way that we act and react, the way that we face situations, the way that we handle um, things that come up in our, in our life, it'll be handled completely different than the way the world handles it when we do things the way that he teaches us to do things. We would have to admit that this world for some 6,000 years now has been According to human wisdom. In the world, oh, truly it's been run according to human wisdom. Um, But what has been the outcome of that? I mean, when we look at the world today, and you watch the world news, I'll tell you the outcome, sin, war, death, mistrust, confusion, disease, lies, and a world that's in utter chaos. That's what's come of man's wisdom. That's what's come of worldly wisdom. Do we, as born-again believers, really want to continue down that same old path? I mean, we do realize, don't we, that that living the same way will just continue to bring the same old results. But, but preacher, I'm telling you, it's so hard to to do what God wants us to do. I, I would agree with that at times, absolutely so. And people don't understand it, preacher, when we start trying to live the way that Jesus tells us to live. Oh, yeah, we run into that, don't we? Somebody help me out here. Surely I'm not the only one that runs into that. That's questioned along the way about what I do or what I don't do or how I act or what I say or don't say, whatever the case may be. People don't understand it. What do you mean you don't do this? What do you mean you don't do that? Why do you mean you don't go here? Why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And all those things. And all we're trying to do, come on, we're not trying to be better than anybody else. We're not trying to get to a place where we can look down our nose and say, yeah, you wicked people out there. Oh, no, we're wicked. 
We're just trying to do the things the way that God would have us to do things because we know that in the end, and really even while we're doing it, things are going to turn out much better for us. People don't understand it, and sometimes it's very hard to do, but without a doubt, Jesus' way is the best way. Always. Always. This wonderful truth that Jesus is teaching here It, it confuses, it confounds, um, and it exposes, really, the shallow thinking and the living in this world. I, I mean, it's like, well, this is not, you know, this, this, this is crazy. Blessed are the meek, the meek, the meek. They're going to inherit the earth, the meek. Because the world says this, the world says, if you want to get ahead in this life, what you need to do is you need to scratch and bite and kick and lie and cheat and steal. Trust in yourself. That's what you need to do. Just trust in yourself. I mean, even promote yourself every bit that you can. I mean, whatever it takes to get to the top, whatever it takes to get ahead, that's what you need to do. Come on, that's the way the world looks at things. Truly. One Bible commentator explains how the uh, animal world the animal world teaches us different than that. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, think about it. Pardon me. There are uh, powerful, out there, out there in the wilderness, there are power, powerful, mighty lions. And then there are meek and lowly sheep. Human reasoning would say that there should be plenty of lions that are mighty and powerful and, uh, and very few sheep that can't even hardly take care of themselves. Come on, human reasoning, when we think about that. But it's the lions that are on the endangered species list. Not, excuse me, not sheep. In fact, in just New Zealand, there are over 80 million sheep. In New Zealand alone. And lions are on the endangered species list. Human reasoning says that there should be plenty of big, majestic, powerful eagles and very few sparrows. Sparrows can't even take care of themselves. Eagles, mighty. They hunt, I mean, majestic but we know that's not true, don't we? It's not that way. We can use the very same reasoning if we wanted to talk about the, 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 the mighty whales that are in the ocean. And then the ocean perch that are there. Man, big whales take care of themselves. Mighty man, there should be all kinds of whales out there and these perch, they can't even take care of themselves. They become food for everything else. And there shouldn't be very many of those, but that's not the way that it is. <clears throat> and and, and if, if we were to look at human government, uh, along with human reasoning, If oh boy, why are you bringing up government? It, it just no, I'm, no, I'm not going to park here. As much as I would like to just throw a fit, I'm not going. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. But if we were to look at human government today, with along with human reasoning, could we not just go ahead and close that file and stamp it failed? Because it has. Truly. The teaching that we're offered by Jesus here this morning will lead us to a rewarding life of joy and blessing and a peace that this world will never be able to offer us at all. So continuing to look at the Beatitudes in their context, because that's the way that we should study the Bible, I'm sure that you're starting to see here, as we've gone through that, that there is a progression. There's a progression. When Jesus began to teach the Beatitudes, he didn't say, well, which one should I say first? 
No, I mean, he knew exactly how they needed to be taught. And he said this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So it started out with being poor in spirit. And of course, we know that's talking about being humble. It's, a, it's about us having a very genuine sense of our dependence upon God. A real genuine sense of our dependence upon God. Lord, I, without you, I can do nothing. I mean, I mean, I mean just, just that humility that we lean upon God. There is not one, there was not, there is not one that will know the blessedness that Jesus is talking about here without acknowledging their need for a total dependence upon God. God, I need you more than I need anything else. Come on, I need you more than I need my next breath. I, I, I need you more than anything else in this world. I mean, that total dependence that, that there is a God in heaven, that His Son is Jesus Christ, that He came and paid the price to save our soul, that one day we repented of sin, trusted Christ as our Savior, that He saved us from our sin, that He has set us on the path that He has for us, and we need to be totally dependent upon Him if we're going to stay on that path and we're going to continue the way that He would have us to go. Lord, I need you today. And the next day, Lord, I need you today. And midday, Lord, I need you for the rest of this day. And in the evening, Lord, I need you throughout the night. I mean, our total dependence upon God. Help me, Lord, with my thoughts. Help me with my speech. Help me with what I look at. Help me with what I hear. Come on. Our total dependence upon God. That humility. Lord, I, I am not able to run my own life. I need you to run my life. I mean, that total. No, no. That, that, that humbleness. That humility. Lord, I, I need you to do what only you can do. Total dependence. This type of blessedness comes from, from being comforted by God after truly uh, mourning over our own sin that has offended Him. Notice what it talks about in verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So we need to be humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit. But we also need to... Uh, need to be willing to mourn over our own sin. Now, no, no, I think this is a big one. Stay with me here, please. I think this is a big one today. We become desensitized. And everybody else's sin is worse than our sin. And if we're not careful, it even gets to a place where our sin doesn't bother us at all anymore. We can just go ahead and continue on in that. We become callous. We become cold. Doesn't matter. We'll just keep on going. But the Lord himself said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So this is a whole lot more than just being sorrowful. Please get this. This is a whole lot more than just being sorrowful for the bad circumstances that our wrong sinful decisions have caused us. Because when we make wrong decisions, when we make sinful decisions, there are consequences for that, isn't there? Come on, you can choose the sin, but you can't choose the consequences. There will be consequences. So this is more than just being sorry. Well, Lord, I'm, I've got myself in this mess. No, no, it's more than that. It is mourning over our sin. Listen to that, please. That has offended a righteous, holy, sinless God. Our sin ultimately, our sin ultimately is against him. Now, it can cause bad consequences for our own life personally. It can cause bad consequences for the lives of people that are around us. Somebody help me out here. It's true. But ultimately, our sin is against the holy God. And we need to get back to really believing that. And we need to get back to a place where we are willing to uh, mourn over that. I don't get this morning thing. You know, and, and I've said it before, but these, these altars that we have down here, these benches <clears throat> back in the day were called mourning benches, mourner's benches, mourner's benches. Because it's where people came when God convicted them during the preaching of His Word. It's where people came and they mourned over their sin. Lord, I'm so sorry I've offended you. Uh, Lord, I, I, I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to be like that anymore. But God, without your help, I can't do anything. Come on, we can back up to uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, can't we? 
because we humble ourselves and come to a place that we're willing to mourn over our sin, where we have sinned against a holy God, that it really does break our heart that we have broken God's heart. I, 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 I mean that, that, that tears would be shed, that we have gone against our God, that we have offended our God, that we have sinned against God. Okay, preacher, fine, that's fine enough, but I, I don't know if I really get it, because what it is about, what it is, what is it about this mourning thing over our sin that causes us to be so blessed? Well, comfort. No, the, the comfort causes us to be blessed. We're talking about that comfort that comes from God once we have dealt with our sin in the proper manner. There's a comfort that comes from God that only God can give. I mean, once we deal with our sin in a proper manner, once we do that, we are forgiven of the sin. We're forgiven. Come on. Our long-suffering Heavenly Father forgives us of our sin. Hallelujah. Cast it as far as the east from the west, never to be brought up again. So very thankful for that. And that brings comfort that can only be brought because of that. Come on, does that not bring you comfort? That we can go to God and we can confess our sin, repenting of sin. I, I mean, I mean, Lord, Lord, you, you've got to help me. I, 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 I know that I shouldn't have. I know that I should have. Whatever the case may be. And we confess that. Wanting God to help us to do better. Truly trying to repent of those things in our life that shouldn't be there. Or, or the things that should be there that shouldn't be there. And God forgives us and he comforts us. Don't tell me that you've never come to an altar, whether here or at home or whatever the case may be, driving down the road with your steering wheel as an altar, talking to God, broken over your sin, and that God forgave you and that you didn't realize, wiping the tears away from your face, thanking God that He's so merciful and gracious and forgiving. What comfort. I mean, that's tremendous comfort, knowing our God is uh, so merciful. So, if we practice true humility and uh, possess a spirit that mourns over our own sin, it produces a person of meekness. No, there's a progression here. Once we come to the recognition that we are dependent upon God and that we are forgiven by God, it will produce a spirit of meekness within us. Uh, uh, okay, Pastor. Okay, I'm trying to follow along here, but um, exactly what does it mean to be meek? What does it mean? Well, that's a good question. So let's define meek. The definition in Webster's is this. Now, now you're going to have to follow along. or you're, you're going to, if, if you blink, you're going to miss it. I want you to get this. The definition in, in, in Webster's dictionary is this. Enduring injury with patience and without resentment. That's pretty good. But then the second one is this. Deficient or, or lacking in spirit and courage. It means not violent or strong. Now hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, stay with me. Because of that, there are a lot of people that associate meekness with weakness. And I'm sure that you saw that when, when looking at that definition, that, that, that people would associate meekness with weakness. Deficient or lacking in spirit and courage. Not violent or strong. And because of that, because of that, it's not something that everyone readily seeks after. Meekness. I have yet to see the, a book on the best-selling list named How to Acquire Meekness in 30 Short Days. I mean, people just aren't, it's not like, man, I just want to be meek, that's what I want. 
so bad. I've not seen that. But here, no, no, stay with me. We need to look at the definition from the Greek word from which this word was translated. Blessed are the meek. And that word is praos. Praos. And in a sense, even from this word, it's hard to define without somewhat implying weakness. But stay with me here. Stay with me. The word itself implies gentleness. Gentleness. It, it has implications of balance. Listen, listen. has implications of balance and control. According to Aristotle, it is a point between extreme anger and extreme angerlessness. Come on, stay with me. I'm, 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 headed, I'm going somewhere. Not powerless. Not powerless. No, 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 no. It, it's meaning of this word, praos. Its meaning is power under control. Power under control. It means, Brother Paul... Being submissive to someone greater than ourselves. It speaks, it speaks of not being all about self. Boy, that's hard in the generation we live in, isn't it? In the society we live in where it's all about self. Pleasing self, doing whatever we want to do, doesn't matter what people think, no regrets, just do what you want to do. Oh, there'll be regrets. Meekness, then, is not someone that is spineless and weak and has no power. No, 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 no. But someone who has chosen to submit to another and not use their own power for selfish gain. And I think at this point, it's probably best that we would look at some Bible illustrations of meekness. Don't you think? Come on. I mean, really. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, preacher, are you just trying to convince us of something? No, the Bible can convince us if we'll listen to it. Okay. Let me, let me rephrase that. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, without a doubt. So turn over to Numbers chapter 12. I ask you to mark that. Turn over there. Numbers chapter 12. Let me read just a little bit to you. Y'all still happy you came to church? Say amen. amen. Make, make sure here. Numbers chapter 12, look at verse number 1. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. And now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron, excuse me, and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, the Lord did, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in the dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall, be, uh, uh, shall he behold. 
Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant, Moses? Let me stop here for just a second. He said there in verse number 6, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known unto him. What the Lord was telling Aaron and Miriam at that point is that uh, y'all aren't prophets. No, that's what he was saying. He said, and you're trying to make yourself to be some kind of prophet, but uh, let me see here. Oh, yeah, that's right. Y'all aren't, y'all aren't prophets. That's what he's telling them. Okay, verse number nine. Just a few more here. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, against Aaron and Miriam, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God. I beseech thee, I beg thee. Here we have the account, a case showing the typical meekness of Moses. In, in this account, Aaron and Miriam were wrong. They were wrong in what they did. They were wrong. And uh, because of that, God dealt quickly to defend Moses. I said God defended his man. God did that. Defended his man. Now Moses. We got to get this. Now Moses could have gotten. Both of them killed. Because of the power that he had with God. Come on we're talking about the one that went up on the mountain you know. The one that carried down the ten commandments. The one that uh, God just said, I'll speak mouth to mouth with him. I'd say he had some power. But did you notice verse number 13 there? Moses surrenders his power to God. No, no, he's not taking thought of self in this. And he prays for Miriam. Yeah, God, she did me wrong. She just, go ahead and take her out. Oh, no, hold it. That wasn't his prayer, was it? No, no, look up here. Did did Miriam do Moses wrong? Oh, yeah. Absolutely so. Yeah. But Moses surrendered his power to God's control. Listen, listen. For the good of others. And not for destruction. And that, my friend, is meekness. It wasn't all about Moses. No, no, no. uh, The only thing on Moses' mind wasn't just Moses. Even though he had been done wrong, he prayed for her, heal her now. Oh God, I beg you, I beg you to do that. There are at least two other occasions that God would destroy Israel and begin a whole new uh, nation with Moses in the Old Testament. But both of those times, Moses, who God said in his word, we read it, that he was very meek. Both of those times, Moses went to God and he interceded for the people of Israel, begging God's forgiveness for what they had done. Not that he had done anything wrong, but begging God's forgiveness for what they had done for the people. Did Moses have power? Oh yeah, he had power. Did he use that power for self-promotion? No way. It was a power that was yielded to God's control. 
Uh, over in the book of Matthew chapter number 11 and verse number 29, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. This is Jesus. And learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall have rest unto your souls. Jesus said this. I am meek and lowly in heart. Now, get this, get this, get this. Was Jesus meek? Well, absolutely. Most definitely so. Jesus was some kind of a helpless weakling. Come on, he wasn't that little weak, frail, long-haired dude you see in the pictures. Now, go ahead, I can say that again if I need to. He had worked in a carpenter's shop from the time that he was 12. They didn't have power tools back then. I'm pretty sure he was in pretty good shape by the time he started his ministry. Man's man. Oh yeah, absolutely so. He was able to take all that beating, still carry the cross up to Calvary. Yeah, no, no, he, he wasn't this, no, no, no. He wasn't this helpless weakling. Oh, okay, well, preacher, can you, uh, can you expound on that just a little bit more? My pleasure. Absolutely so. Thanks for asking. Do you remember when he was tempted in the wilderness? By the devil? And, and, and in those three temptations, in those three temptations, uh, Matthew, did, did, did he have the power? Did he have the power to turn stones to bread? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just like that. I mean, could have been that whole of bread. Have you ever had any of that chola bread? I call it chola bread, whole of bread. Mercy, it makes good French toast. Anyway, don't get me off on that because lunchtime will come a little earlier. Anyway, yes, he could have turned the stones into bread. Would he been able? Would he have been able to leap off the top of the temple and not be harmed? Oh, absolutely so. Yeah, he had all the power in the world to do that. And could he have claimed the kingdoms of the world? Yes, 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 yes. But in his meekness, we're talking about Jesus himself. In his meekness, he surrendered. Please get this. He surrendered to the will of his father and allowed his power to be controlled by the will of God the father. Come on, don't lose it. Don't, don't miss this. He allowed his power to be controlled by the will of God his father. Now, everything that Jesus did while he walked this earth, he did, please look up here, he did as an example for you and I. That is meekness. Oh, let's expound just a little bit more. When in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed in regards to the cup that he was to drink. And he prayed this, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, that is meekness. Again, where his power was under the control of his father. He yielded that. Think about his trek to Calvary. Think about that. It was um, most definitely made in meekness. In meekness. Remember there in the garden, Peter pulled out his sword and sliced off Malchus's ear. Going to defend Jesus. Jesus <laughs> very meekly picked up poor Malchus's ear and put it back on. I'm fairly sure that Malchus was a believer after that. Jesus said that his father could send 12 legions of angels to take that whole bunch out. And he could have. Yet he did not call them down. That's power. That's meekness. There in the garden, Jesus said, 
Whom seek ye? To this crowd that came to get him. And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And when he said, I am he, the whole bunch fell backward onto the ground when he spoke it. Um, would you say that he had power? Oh, mercy. I'm hoping I can see that when I get to heaven. I'm, there's there's got to be a hall of pictures or a hall of movies. I, I don't know how. Anyway, okay, don't, okay, get back on track. I'm, I don't have Pam here to help me stay on track, so. He had great power. And, and all the way to the cross, and even, even on the cross, Jesus showed meekness. Remember? Remember? Come on. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Come on. They have beat him unmercifully. They made him carry his cross through the streets of Jerusalem as they spat upon him and cursed him and mocked him and ridiculed him and pulled out his beard by the handfuls and spit upon him over and over and over and over. We're talking about the very begotten Son of God, God in the flesh. He allowed them, no, he laid down on that cross and allowed them to pound nails through his hands and through his feet because of your sin. And my sin, not because of his, because he had none. And at any point at that time, Brother Bronner, he could have wiped the whole bunch out. I've had it with this. Let's get rid of all these people and start over. But he didn't. He didn't. Meekness. He was willing to save the thief that hung beside him. He was willing to save that thief from his sins. What, what meekness. And then he was willing to go ahead and hang there and shed his blood for the sin of mankind and give up the ghost. They killed Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. They couldn't kill him. He was God in the flesh. He gave up the ghost. No, no, he chose to die. For you. For me. Meekness. What meekness? I'm just very thankful that after three days and three nights, he rose from the dead. Victorious over sin and death and hell. And that he still calls out to the world. Come unto me. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our sin can be forgiven. We can know him. After everything that happened to him because of our sin, he's still willing to save our soul. No matter how wicked we are, no matter what we have done in the past, no matter, no matter what life has handed us or what we have chosen to done, he can forgive all of our sin, save our soul, give us a home in heaven one day, but even better can give us new life right now. New life. He's willing to do that. Meek. How can we think such, such things? How can we read such, such things again and again and again in our Bible? I, I mean, watching his meekness and watching his humility and not love him as we should and, and not desire to be more like him. And we should desire it. Because we're going to be blessed when we'll be meek. Blessed are the meek. How about some practical application and we'll go find some lunch, okay? Let's use both me and you in this. As a preacher, as a teacher... I'm supposed to exercise meekness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 21, the church of Corinth. 
had been giving the Apostle Paul a lot of trouble and some were still all out against him. And here's what Paul asked them. What will, what will ye? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or in love? And in the spirit of meekness? Oh no, they were doing wrong. They were against him. He said, okay. Well, you want me to come at you with a rod? Or in love? And the spirit of meekness. Well, what prompted that preacher? Well, Second Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible says, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. What prompted him to act like that? Uh, I guess he'd been studying Jesus. No, 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 no. I, I, I think that he'd probably been uh, looking at the way that Jesus works. He says, man, I need to be more like him. I need to model myself after him. I need to allow my heavenly father to conform me to that image. Quit being the way I want to be. And yielding to him. And being what he wants me to be. Instead. Seems, seems, seems as though what he had learned from Jesus prompted that spirit and prompted that attitude, doesn't it? The Apostle Paul also instructed, uh, instructed his, his own son in the ministry, his son in the ministry, Timothy, to be meek. He tried to train him up in the same way. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 he told Timothy this, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said this, in meekness instructing those that, impose, that oppose themselves. In meekness. In meekness. Not demanding. Prompting. Helping. Encouraging. Edifying. Directing. Leading. Not demanding. So there is a certain amount of power, if you will, that's associated with being a preacher of the gospel. But that power is never to be exercised for personal advantage. No, 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 no. It is to be surrendered to God for the edification of others and for His honor and for His glory. I was telling someone just yesterday that God showed me some years back that my responsibility as a pastor is to treat his people because you're his people, not my people. My responsibility is to treat his people the way he treats them. Now you. Uh, as believers and, and as church members are also to practice meekness. Please get this. In, in your relationship with fellow believers and other church members, you're to practice meekness that way. Stay with me. Stay with me. Don't go to sleep. Don't miss this. In, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness in mind, uh, of mind, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Talking to us. Titus chapter 3 verse number 2 says, To speak evil of no man, to be no brawler, 
but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Instruction from God to us. So what it comes down to is this. Whatever power that I might have or whatever power you might have, it all needs to be surrendered to God's control. Lord, what will thou have me to do? How do you want me to handle this? How do you want me to act? How do you want me to speak? What is it you want me to do? How would you have me to be? I know what I feel like doing. I know what I feel like saying. I know how I feel like acting. But God, what would you have me to do? And, and if it's not surrendered to God's control, we can almost guarantee that it will be used selfishly. And that, my friends, is synonymous with destructively. No, no, let me wrap it up. It is in my power and your power to either help or hinder the work of God and the people of God. Come on, don't miss this. It is in my power and your power to either help or hinder the work of God and the people of God. So what are you going to choose to do? Because it is your choice. It is my choice. We choose that way. One way or another. And here's the whole thing. Blessed are the meek. Meekness will yield to God. Meekness will surrender to His way. The meek shall inherit the earth. And it really doesn't matter how things look right now. And remember that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. God's control. We have the power to decide things. We need to place that power under God's control. And I can guarantee you, it will help us make the right decisions. It will help us go the right way. It will help us treat people the way we should. It will help us in every area of our life. Meekness may not be what you think it is. I'm so glad that uh, the Bible makes things clear. And that God gives us the ability to make choices. But let's make sure that we're making choices according to what God wants for us.